you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. Man, thanks team. Okay, so I want to talk about sometimes expected things happen in expected places. And sometimes unexpected things happen in unexpected places. But I want to begin in an airport. If you show up to an airport, it's because you have a plan. You have somewhere that you would like to go. You have someone that you would like to pick up and bring home. But if you go to an airport, you might run into this family. Steph, could we show family number one how annoying are the Roberts? They didn't yell at each other on the way to the airport. Everybody woke up in time. No one wanted to have a wrestling match to get shoes on. Everyone just agreed. No one was hungry. No one needed a snack. No one had an opinion about what was next. They're just happy together. Just wait till they get on the airplane. That's family number one. So you might expect to see that in an airport. Number two, yeah, Toby. You might expect to see Toby. Toby's not loving it. He's not excited about going to Idaho. Are you shocked? And so you would maybe find yourself meeting Toby in an airport. Number three, yeah, these guys, twins. Yep, so kind of like the same thing going on. They're just sort of blah. They're not excited about being there. They missed the flight, and so they have to wait for like three weeks until there's another one. That's just kind of how that goes uh, right now. So you would expect to encounter these families, these individuals in an airport. But there's other kinds of moments. Can you show an unexpected moment in an airport? So... Not a moment that you would expect to encounter in the TSA line. I don't know if this is real or fake. I don't know if he thought in his mind, I know the best place to ask her to be with me forever is right when we cross that line with no socks, with no belt, and you don't know where any of your stuff is. That seems to be the best moment to say, hey, could we do life together? Uh, For the next... 10 months, we're going to do something that we have never done at Invitation. We are going to walk all the way through a book that's going to take us a long time. We're going to take two breaks. We're going to take a break for Advent around Christmas time. We'll take a break for Lent as we celebrate resurrection. But as a church, uh, we're going to study the book of Acts together. And it's going to take us about 10 months. It's going to take us a long time. It's 28 chapters. I've never done a series longer than 10 weeks in my life. Are you excited, anybody? What's going to be neat about it is that the book of Acts is a moment in time. It's a moment in history when the church really flourishes, when the church should have been wiped out. And this unexpected thing God does in an unexpected place. The book of Acts covers 30 years 
from the birth of the church until the Apostle Paul is arrested in Rome. So if you're 30 years old in the room, I'm not going to make you raise your hand or stand up. But that's kind of the breadth of the book. It takes place in a world that was controlled by one people group. Have you ever had a moment in your life a moment in your family where one person is controlling the moment. Of course you haven't, because that never happens. But that's what was happening in the ancient world. Rome was controlling everything. I think we have a map of all of the places that Rome controlled. So we're talking about like 20% of the population of planet Earth fell under the power of Rome. We're talking about Rome having control of like two million miles. And there was these 32 states that Rome controlled. Roman provinces, they were called. And there's really only two reasons Rome had these provinces. So that they could exercise their control and so that they could collect taxes. It seems like not a great environment not a great time in history for the church to be strengthened and to flourish. Here's the misunderstanding of the book of Acts. The misunderstanding of the book of Acts is that it's all the stuff that the apostles did, all the stuff that Peter did, all the stuff that Paul did, all the stuff that John did. So there's like all of these stories of God doing some really incredible things. Like there's some crazy miracles that happen in the book of Acts. And a lot of people give their lives to the way of Jesus. But the misunderstanding is like, oh no, Peter and Paul and John. No, the acts are the acts of the Holy Spirit. Not the acts of the people of God. And so in Acts, Luke, who's the author of it, he's this historian guy. So if you have somebody in your life who like really cares about details, who cares about like what's happening seven Tuesdays from now, Luke is a lot like that. It takes a very orderly account and it kind of shows the breadth of this movement. And so there's kind of these six progress reports that we're going to see in Acts. And some of you shuddered when I said progress reports because you remember third grade and how that went and that didn't go awesome. So in six, chapter 6, verse 7, Luke's just going to remind us, hey, here's what's going on with the church. Here's how the movement is going. And then in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, in Acts 12, 24, in 16, verse 5, in 19, verse 20, in 28, verses 31, he's giving these reports on how it started and how it's going. And there's this unmistakable lesson in the book of Acts. Like, you can't miss it. You couldn't possibly spend time in the book and miss this. That despite the opposition that the church encountered, the word of God increased and it spread. So Acts 12, 24, we find these words, but the word of God continued to spread and to flourish. So even in hard places, even during difficult times, This is the story of the church. That the word of God continued to spread and to flourish. 
And this is God's promise. That my word, my promises, my truth, it's going to spread like wildfire ever. Always. And even when Rome is controlling all of the land and all of the territories and all of the conversation, when Rome is interrupting everybody around the Thanksgiving table, have you been in that moment in life? Even when Rome is doing that, the word of God is going to continue to spread and to flourish. Some of you are elbowing the person next to you. That's not very nice. Here's the message of the book of Acts. It's really just three words. And it's the gospel that Jesus is Lord. That's the message of the whole thing. That Rome's not Lord. Caesar's not Lord. This way of life is not Lord. Because of the life and the death and the resurrection of King Jesus. Jesus is Lord. And there isn't really anything that you could say in the first century that would make Rome more angry than challenging the lordship of Caesar, challenging the lordship of Rome. And so it's this proclamation that Jesus is Lord. So let's take this in really three parts. So Jesus. So what do we mean that Jesus is Lord? We, we mean that our faith is rooted in a real person. Not in a superhero, not in a power, not in a figure, in a person. It's what we celebrate at Christmas time. That there's this baby that comes to these newlyweds named Mary and Joseph. And John talks about it in John 1.14. That the word became flesh. And so the divine becomes flesh. In the paraphrase of the message, Eugene Peterson says that God moved into the neighborhood. When you move into the neighborhood, no matter what's going on in the neighborhood, things in the neighborhood begin to shift. A couple months ago, there was a family that moved into our neighborhood, and they have two boys that are close to the ages of my boys. So wouldn't you know, Several months ago, I did not supervise these boys, and now I supervise these boys a lot because we just are all a part of one deal. It's, they've impacted the neighborhood, and when God chooses to enter into human history, his presence impacts the neighborhood. So it's rooted in a person in history and in the belief that God has entered our time and space in person. So this is the gospel, that Jesus is Lord. So first part, Jesus. Second part is, this declaration assumes the resurrection. So Jesus gives his life. He's placed in a tomb. The disciples think the whole movement is over. They think it's done. But then he raised, is raised to life on the third day. The ascension and his ongoing presence in our life. So there's a moment at the end of his ministry when he just says, hey, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And you have a job to do. And it's a job that's going to be hard. It's a job that's going to be messy. And I'm sending you out into the world to make disciples of every nation. Baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. So if you've received grace for me, go give grace. 
If you've received love from me, go give love. If you've experienced change and transformation in your life, go share that with the world. So the gospel in three words, Jesus is Lord. So let's do the last part. It's not just a declaration of submission to the one who holds all authority. It's a declaration of revelation. So God looks like Jesus. And here's the temptation a lot of the time, is to understand we have God and we have Jesus. Like there's a way that God worked in the New Testament. Like there seems to be a lot of violence. There seems to be a lot of anger. But then we have this Jesus who shows up in the New Testament and things feel a little bit different, but we misunderstand that if we're wanting to know what God is like, we look at Jesus. You want to know the heart of God, we look at Jesus. Jesus perfectly reflects and lives out what God is like. Paul, in this New Testament letter to this church in Turkey, he says, God, he says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He uses this word icon, and icon is like when you stamp something. Or like when you're writing on paper in marker and you flip it over and you can see it on the back side. Like there's an image that's imprinted on that paper. So Paul wants to say, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And here's what we're gonna see in our journey through Acts. We're going to see that it's not so much that the apostles and Peter and John and all of these other people take the gospel to new places. It's not so much that we're going to see time after time these disciples, these apostles, these people who have given their life to the Jesus way, like they're carrying the gospel like a plate of cookies to another place. That's not what we're going to see. What we're going to see is we're going to see the gospel taking Peter and Paul and John and all of these other people to different places. Like they don't, they don't carry the gospel. The, the truth of this book is not that you carry the gospel, that the gospel carries you. Like it sends you, it pushes you, it nudges you. Like that conversation that you need to have with someone. The gospel, Jesus Christ is Lord, is going to nudge you towards that. Like God's going to be speaking to you. Been in a moment and you just know, ah, oh, I feel annoyed with you right now, Lord, because I don't want to do this. Ever been in there in life? Of course you haven't because you're in church. The gospel's going to nudge us. It's going to push us. So you're not going to find in this book is just about all these people who have all the answers and they have it all right and they just carry the gospel all the way around and they just wait for Jesus to return. What you're going to find is that confession that Jesus is Lord nudging them and pushing them forward. And it's not so much that we take the gospel but the gospel takes us, takes us where? To new places of trust. The gospel wants to take us to new places of trust. The gospel wants to take us to new places of dependence. Like it's one thing 
to trust in the context of comfort. But it's a different thing entirely to trust in the context of discomfort. Like some of you, when your feet get higher and higher and higher and higher, maybe in a building, maybe in an elevator, maybe at an amusement park, and you start to have trust issues. You didn't have trust issues when your feet were on the ground, but now that the context changed, you're not so sure if this was a good idea or not. The gospel wants to take us to new places of dependence, new places of courage, new places to to stand in a moment and have a word to speak in a given situation. The gospel wants to take us to new places of obedience, Like the stuff where you're like, yeah, Lord, I'm going to get to that. Honest. So like, what haven't you trusted with him yet? What haven't you obeyed yet? We will see in our journey through Acts that the gospel carries Peter, Paul, and John, and others out of some places. So if the gospel is going to carry us, going to carry us to some places, and the gospel is going to carry us out of some places. So one of the things the gospel is going to do is going to carry you out of shame, out of a place of believing and receiving that in your personhood, like you don't measure up, and you're not enough, and you don't belong. The gospel wants to carry you out of that. Because Jesus' Lord wants to show you that by his incarnation coming to earth, in his resurrection, his victory over sin and death and hell, and by his being raised to life again, wants to carry you out of shame. The gospel wants to carry you out of discouragement. And I'm not talking about like feeling discouragement. Like, I'm talking about wearing it. Have you been there in life? You don't have to raise your hand. We're not talking about, oh, the gospel. You believe the gospel, and no longer are you going to feel any discouragement in life. No matter what happens to you, that's just like not a part of your story anymore. You're just encouraged, praise the Lord. No, it's going to mean that that's not the thing that covers you anymore. Like, you're covered in an identity that Jesus has extended to you, that he's given to you, not that Rome has given to you or anybody else, a word that somebody's spoken over your life, but one that's been given to you by God, wants to carry you out of fear, not feeling fear, but being covered in it. Having to be like the main ingredient of your life wants to carry you out of that place. The gospel wants to carry us out of bitterness. Like there's some people in our life, they've hurt us. There's been some kind of rupture in some kind of relationship. And we just kind of tense up when we're around that person. We don't like being around that person. Something the gospel is going to do, it's going to nudge you towards forgiveness. And to no longer hold on to that bitterness, to no longer see this person the way you've seen them, but to see them in a new way, to see them as someone for whom Christ has died. 
someone for whom Christ has created and gifted and given them a task. And the gospel, Jesus as Lord, would also desire to carry us out of being covered in anger. Again, hear me, I'm not talking about not feeling discouragement, not feeling bitterness, not feeling anger. I'm talking about it as the main ingredient of your life. You just kind of walk around with this. What you're going to see in the book of Acts is the gospel desiring to carry us to some places and out of some places. I want to invite the band up as we close this morning. And so the question today that I want to where I want to land with this is are you willing to travel with the gospel? Like as a people. Like are we willing to travel with this confession that Jesus is Lord? If we had a microphone today and we passed the microphone around, I bet you could give me a list of three people you would rather not travel with. It's just too much. There's just too much going on for us to do a 17-hour car ride. And you have a list of some people that you would like to travel with, I'm assuming. You just get along. You like the same music. You have, like, the same snack philosophy. You know what I'm talking about? Nothing worse than stopping somewhere, and it's like, I'm not eating that, but thank you. And I think as a church, we just got to ask ourselves, like, do we want to travel with the gospel? Like, are we going to allow it to nudge us, to push us, to bring us to some new places and to bring us out of some other places? Because here's what I believe. That to receive the gospel, to receive this news that Jesus is Lord, to take it seriously in your life, to receive the gospel and to reject traveling with the gospel is to reject the gospel. To receive the gospel but to refuse to travel with it is to reject it. So we can't just simply say, yes, I had a moment where I believe that Jesus is Lord and I'm just waiting for him to come back the gospel's meant to lead us, to guide us to be a travel partner and that's what we're going to see in the book of Acts we're going to see the nudging power of the gospel, the transforming power of the gospel and so over the next 10 months we're going to have lots of opportunities to come back to this question like are we willing to travel with this truth or is there a time and a place where we want to just like want the gospel to stop speaking to us because we're uncomfortable we feel better when our feet are on the ground and to live this way it's more difficult it's more painful it's harder but it opens up the world in a more significant way to people who do not No, because we're going to see over and over and over in the book of Acts, Jesus Christ is Lord being announced. And not just being announced, but being lived. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you today for this place and for the opportunity that we have 
to open your word and to ask some questions and to be curious about what you might be up to in us and through us and beyond us. God, I pray here today in this moment that you would empower us, that you would encourage us, that your call for us to to travel alongside, to follow this confession that Jesus is Lord, you would allow this to be the heartbeat of this place and the heartbeat of our lives to not just stay put to not just stay comfortable but to be pushed beyond so Holy Spirit would you nudge us in this moment would you push us in this moment to live out to a watching world that Jesus is Lord and that he has a word to speak over our lives and over this church and over this world. God, I thank you so much for these people. I thank you so much for their heart for you and for their desire to be people who don't just want to claim the way of Jesus but people who would deeply desire to follow it, to be nudged by it, to be pushed by it, to be travel partners with your good news for Jesus' name and in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing one more song together today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.